Hi, I'm Jago Wynn and welcome to the HDC Daily Podcast. We as a church are meeting daily on Zoom to speak to God in prayer and to hear from God in the Bible. For those of you who can't join us live or who want to listen again, we're featuring the daily Bible thought as we journey through the book of Acts and we're also including how we're being encouraged to pray each day. Today, it's James Farley. Good morning. Um, it's great to have a chance to speak here again. Um, when I last spoke on HDC Daily, Paul was caught up in a riot in Ephesus in Acts 19, and now in chapter 21, a mob are trying to get hold of him and kill him. So when Roz asked me to speak on this passage, I asked, is this deliberate? Is this a theme? Just get me to speak whenever Paul is in trouble and about to lose his life. Uh, but as it turns out in the book of Acts, as we saw yesterday, if you were on the call, we saw that Paul seems to be often getting in trouble with riots, mobs before the authorities, simply for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this reminds me of what uh, Tom Wright, the former Bishop of Durham, he said about another bishop who once remarked, everywhere St. Paul went, there was a riot. Everywhere I go, they serve tea. How different our situation seems to be to Paul. And yet, as I hope to show, I think there's a lot we can learn from the way that he reacts to this mob who are trying to kill him. So what is the trouble is Paul causing now? Well, yesterday we saw Paul has been falsely accused by the crowd. He's been seized, dragged from the temple, was in the process of being killed. And then verse 31, right at the end of that passage, the news, the whole of Jerusalem is an uproar about this, has got to the commander of the Roman troops. And that's where we pick up the story. So in Acts 21, verse 32 to 39. So it starts with he, that is the Roman commander, at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered them to be bound with two chains. Then he asked him who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing, some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? Do you speak Greek, he replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who led it to start the revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. So what are we to make of this? What on earth is going on here? Well, it again, seems like utter chaos. And like in Ephesus, there is complete and utter confusion about what the charges against Paul actually are. Once again, some of the crowd shout one thing, some another. And the Roman commander cannot make head or tail of the situation. And so he simply arrests Paul. When first reading this passage, it can seem as if the Roman commander is treating Paul unjustly. After all, he's arresting Paul before he even knows if he's done anything wrong. However, what can seem like unjust treatment, arresting Paul, is a thing that not only saves Paul's life from this mob, but also gives Paul a chance to speak, to explain who he is against the accusations that are made against him. And we see in verse 35, the Roman soldiers literally have to carry Paul to protect him from the violence of this mob. So why were the mobs so angry with Paul? Well, yesterday in that passage, we saw the crowd had completely misunderstood Paul, who he is and what he has done. The Jewish people accused him of preaching against their law, against their people, against this place, the temple, at the same time that he was going through a seven-day purification rite for the temple. So it's kind of it's a little bit ironic. And they also accused him of bringing Greeks, thereby non-Jews, into the temple area, where they're not supposed to go, even though Paul had nothing to do with that. So Paul was being misunderstood, left, right and centre, being accused of things he had nothing to do with, almost losing his life because of it. And I wonder, have you ever been misunderstood by someone or accused of something you did not do that was not your fault? I wonder, how does that make you feel? Feel a bit of anger, I don't know, indignation, uh, being treated unjustly? Well, let's see how Paul reacts and think we can learn a lot about his heart and what that teaches us today. 
So we see in verse 37, at the first opportunity Paul gets to get a word in amidst all this chaos. Paul asks the Roman commander politely, may I say something to you? The response coming back is a false accusation that he's an Egyptian terrorist. And one can imagine this to be the last straw. After being misunderstood with regards to his teaching on the Jewish law, falsely accused of allowing Greeks into the temple, he's now accused of being a terrorist. He would seem to be well within his right to respond in anger, indignation, as we often do uh, if we are honest with ourselves when we are misunderstood or falsely accused of something, even when our lives are not being threatened, as was the case with Paul. And yet Paul does not respond in anger or indignation, but he just calmly explains who he is, where he has come from, before once again politely asking for the chance to speak to the people. Instead of anger at rage being constantly misunderstood, Paul is gracious and charitable. And yet he's also clear in his request. It would have been easy for him to stay in the barracks, away from this violent mob, allow himself a chance just to catch his breath. But instead he is desperate to speak to this people, to speak to this violent mob. And we'll see in the passage next time what Paul has to say. But in essence, he shares his testimony of who God is, what he has done in his life. Before looking at the content of what Paul says next time, it is remarkable to consider once more the context in which he delivers this testimony. His life is literally in danger. And yet instead of running away from the opposition and the anger, he wants to speak into it, his story of how God has worked in his life. And I'm sure if we bring it to us today, I'm sure we will have our moments in conversations with someone when we sense this could be an opportunity to share our testimony of how God has worked in our lives. But for some reason, the timing situation just doesn't quite feel right. It may seem like an awkward time, maybe in a rush. Maybe we, we can sense we're going to get some pushback, some negative reaction if we start to share what Jesus has done for us. Well, Paul knew that he was putting his life on the line if he was going to share his testimony in this situation. But here we see clearly Paul's heart is one captured by the love of God, so he cannot help but share what God has done for him, even in a situation as dangerous as this. So our sort of prayer, I think, today is, may we too be amazed afresh by what God has done for us, as we were praying earlier, that we can't help but share this good news with the people we come across today as the opportunity arises, even if it seems awkward or difficult, as I'm sure it did for Paul at this time. And I'm going to hand over back to Tim, who's going to lead us in prayer in response to that. Today we prayed for ourselves. Um, as James spoke, he was talking about how Paul had reacted. And we prayed today that actually we'd be those people who respond as Jesus Christ does and be so full of him that we can't help but share him to other people. So I'd encourage you today to spend time praying that um, Jesus would shine through you and that um, God would just be changing your character more and more to be like him.